to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. This morning, I have a great word. Say a great word. I have a really amazing word, uh, and I entitled my little message this morning, From the Pit to the Palace. I'm sure from the title, you would know that I'm speaking from the life of Come on, guys, from the life of Joseph. Amen. And I believe most of us know his story really well. If you, if you don't, go back home and read uh, Genesis chapter 37 uh, all the way through to chapter 40. But I am just assuming that most of us know his life relatively well. And I'll draw a few examples, a few principles from his life. But why am I speaking from the life of Joseph? I really believe that God is going to raise up many Josephs in these last days. I believe most of us here in this uh, room would become Josephs. I'm not saying that you, you will become the Prime Minister of Singapore or you know, uh, the, the, the next billionaire in Singapore, but Joseph served under Pharaoh and he has got tremendous influence uh, to kings. Like Daniel, like Esther, I believe in this uh, end times, God wants to raise up Josephs. And I pray that this morning he will give you a vision in your life to, to become a Joseph. I mean, some of you are very young, uh, you are in your 20s, and this is your first job. I want to have a vision to be a Joseph. I mean, some of you are starting out in your career, and you're just saying, "Uh, but Daniel, I'm I'm a clerk, or I'm just an executive. I've got no influence. Do what Joseph did. I believe then God will promote you. Amen? Some of you who are in in places of influence, I pray that you will not waste your influence. I pray that you will learn from Joseph's life, and that you will use your God-given influence for the kingdom. I mean, especially those of you who are in your late 30s, early 40s, and you are uh, stepping into senior management role, use your influence. Are you still with me? So Joseph's life is actually applicable to, I would say, most of us, if not all of us. And from the pit to the palace really sums up Joseph's entire life. Amen. And um, I want to share just five lessons from his life this morning. But before that, let's read an excerpt uh, of his story. And it's found in the book of Genesis chapter 37 and verses 2 to 11. Verses 2 to 11. Open your Bible if you have it. Otherwise, follow up uh, with me on the screen. But if you look at the screen, say, Amen. Amen. It says in verse 2, Joseph being 17 years old. How many 17 years old do we have? Uh, yeah, thank you, Samantha, 17 years old. I'm not too far from that, 25. Amen. Any 20 years old, 18 years old, Joseph was 17, uh, and he was feeding the flock with his brothers. And most of you know that Joseph had, uh, had 10 brothers before him, and the lad uh, was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, Joseph is like this self-righteous kid and uh, he's just zealous and he brought a bad a report about the brothers. And maybe the brothers uh, were lazy, the brothers were just uh, you know, not doing the right thing. And so Joseph brought a bad report to his father. Next verse, please. Now, Israel or, or Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children. 
because he was the son of his old age. Also, he, he made him a tunic of many colors. A coat of many colors. Say a coat of many colors. Come on, say a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that, that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Do you have brothers like that? <laughs> they just can't talk properly. Whenever you ask them a question, yeah, you know, and that there's, there's a lot of angst when his brothers was, uh, were talking to, to Joseph. Next verse, please. Now, Joseph had a, had a dream. And how old was Joseph? He was 17, and at 17 years old, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf uh, 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 arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. That's a great dream, guys. Uh, next verse, please. And his father said, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they, so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, how many times do you read the word, and they hated him, and they hated him even more? I mean, these guys, the ten brothers, really disliked Joseph. I mean, not just unhappy, dislike him, hated him. It's a strong word. Next verse. It says, then he dreams another dream. Thank God for dreams, amen. And told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And just imagine the brothers, okay, what's next? And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Next verse. So he told it to his father this time and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamt? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. But the father kept the matter in mind. There are five lessons we can learn from Joseph's life. At least five. I can go on many weeks uh, as a series, but I wouldn't do that. I just want to give you a summary of the lessons that Joseph learned. I wanted to entitle this message, really, uh, Lessons Learned in, in a School of Hard Knocks. But I thought to myself, that's not a, a very encouraging message. And so I retitled it from the pit to the palace. But these lessons were lessons Joseph learned in the School of Hard Knocks. There wasn't, there wasn't an MBA program that he uh, went through or uh, the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy to become the next Prime Minister. There was nothing like that. Joseph learned all these lessons through experience, through the school of hard knocks. I've learned from life that either you can go through the school of hard knocks yourself and uh, go through pain and learn all these lessons, or you can be a little bit like me, just learn the lessons by reading the lives of great men and say, God, I want to glean from the wisdom of this man. Amen. So be like, uh, be like me, please, and learn from Joseph's uh, story and glean these lessons at 17, at 25, at 35, and learn these lessons. There are five lessons from Joseph's life. The first one, um, and I say, I say it this way, know your God-given difference. Turn to the person next to you and say, know your God-given difference. Know your God-given difference. Now, Joseph was a little bit different from the rest of his brothers, right? Why? Because the father favored him. And what did the father do? The father made him a coat of many colors. So Joseph, imagine, walked around the household with a coat of many colors while the rest of the household, the brothers, was just wearing a plain-looking clothes. Now, Joseph 
looked different. Joseph walked different because Joseph knew that he's the father's favorite son. Amen? And so as Christians this morning, I pray that all of us would know our God-given difference. See, when God saved you, when God saved me, He gave us you know, His favor and He made us different. He made us unique. Joseph was given a mark of nobility. So have, we, have you and I. God has given us a mark of nobility. The favor of God is on your life. If you don't know it, or if the devil has somehow deceived you into thinking that you are not God's favorite child, I want to dispel that this morning, and I want you to allow these words to sink into your heart, that all of us are God's favorite sons and daughters. Amen? That he has got no favorite child. That you know, If you think that Daniel is highly favored by God, but I'm not, listen, that's a lie. All of us are God's favorite. I mean, imagine, he paid the price. He gave His only Son to die for you and I. Then He poured out His Spirit of favor on us when we say, come Holy Spirit. Friends, God has marked our lives with His favor. Amen? Come on. So what does this mean to, to you and I? See, as a child of God, the Bible says that you are prince and princesses. Now, a lot of us, when we were growing up, especially the, the, the girls here, you like to dress yourself up as princess, right? Don't, don't you? And but some, come on, girls, you do. But sometimes you outgrow that. Like I remember when Mary Beth, I'm not picking her up because she's a. When she was younger, she loved to dress as princess. But now, yikes. See, but all of us when we're growing up, we we want to be someone great. We want to be someone powerful. We want to change the world. Last night at Life Group, uh, the kids were dressed up as firemen. Really cute. Why firemen? I want to save uh, people from the fire. I want to rescue uh, people you know, from disasters. See, when, when we were young, all of us uh, dream of greatness. All of us want to you know, feel special. We want to be the princess. We want to be the prince. We want to be the king. We wear a crown. We, 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 we dress up like warriors. We take a shield. We, friends, and this is your God-given difference as believers. Hello? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, check this out, that you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And a lot of us as believers, we walk around thinking that, that we are slaves, thinking that we are second class, thinking that we're not as good as someone else. Friends, this is what the Bible says, that you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to sin, a slave to death, a slave to uh, problems, a slave to circumstances. You are no longer a slave. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are no longer a slave. <laughs> Breathe that down that throat. You are no longer a slave. No longer a slave, but you're a son. And if you're a son, Paul goes on to tell us, then you are an heir, which means that whatever that you are doing right now for the Father, you are actually accumulating and growing your inheritance. Amen. You are an heir. You are not just a worker, a servant, an employee. You're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. My friends, we are twice-born people. Woo. We are twice-born people in a world of once-born people. I love that. And we're going to uh, be going against the tide uh, all the time. 
Amen. The Bible calls us peculiar. That's why we, we behave different. That's why we walk around with a sense of confidence because we know that the Father's coat of favor is on our lives. And I want to just impress that on your heart this morning. All right, as Joseph, you might be 17 years old. You might be 24. Your first job, Vivian. You, know, you don't walk around like, I'm just an employee. Walk around knowing full well that I'm my father's favorite child. Amen. And I've got a coat of favor. That the shield of favor is uh, uh, around my life because I'm in this project. My team is blessed. My company is blessed to have me. Why? Because I carry favor. The teachers here, uh, those of you who are, you might think, but I, I'm just a low position employee. Come on, don't think like that. I mean, have a sense of confidence that you are different. Amen. So turn to the person next to you one more time and say, No, you're God given difference. And this is applicable in all areas of life. Amen. The second lesson that we can learn from Joseph's life is let God put His dreams in your heart. Let God put His dreams in your heart. Now, some people believe that Joseph made a mistake when he shared this vision, when he shared his dreams. I thought so too when I was younger that, you know, Joseph made a, made a mistake. He should have just kept quiet. And I could empathize with Joseph because I am also a dreamer. And when I was 17 years old, I dreamed like Joseph. I came to know Christ at 15. And when God's call came upon my life, I started dreaming great dreams. I dream of revival in Nian Polytechnic. I dream of uh, revival in my army camps. I dream of revival with young people. I dream of influence and power. And, and I'll tell my friends who were believers, I thought they would understand. They are my brothers. One day, and so I shared with them and I said, God has called me for greatness. And I tell them, God has blessed me with a great anointing. And I've got that, that childlike belief in how amazing the God in me is. But whenever I share it, my well-meaning friends, and praise God for well-meaning friends, my well-meaning pastors would say, Daniel, you are just a little bit you know, too loud, just quiet now, cool down, chill, don't be too enthusiastic, don't be too quick to share, just keep your dreams to your heart. Now, but this is what, exactly what Joseph was going through. Joseph was just declaring the dreams that he had and you have to understand that these dreams didn't come from him, these dreams came from God. These dreams were dreams that God put in Joseph's life. Amen? Amen? These dreams were dreams that God put in Joseph's life and I believe this bold announcement this, this declaration basically is Joseph's childlike belief that the God who has promised great things in his life, he's real, he's alive, and amen. So God spoke to Joseph through a dream. He may have spoken to you or he wants to speak to you, maybe in some other ways. But the point is this, God has a plan for your life. I know this, this is so basic. But I know that a lot of Christians were just going through life without the sense of purpose. Have got no idea that God has a plan for your life. And they just live life from day one to day a hundred. It's just, a, you know, it's a smooth sailing life. Whatever will be, will be. And there's no sense of purpose. There's no sense of calling. There's no sense of dream. I want to say to you, God has a plan for your life. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your, your life. 
And His plan is a lot greater than you think it is. You, you miss that. His plan is a lot greater and bigger than you think it is. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And the Bible says, God can do what? Immeasurably more. Exceedingly abundantly, far above all we can ever ask or imagine. That's a great verse for dreamers. Because if you can dream that verse, if you can dream of something, the Bible tells us that God can exceed that. God can, super, God can surpass that. Amen. <laughs> God put dreams in our hearts. And I pray that in this church, all of us will walk around as God's favorite sons and daughters with a great dream, with a big dream of making a difference in this world. Amen? Amen? Come on. But would you like to, to know how to find out God's plan? You know, when, when I was pastoring uh, the youth ministry, now one of the most common questions I receive from people from young people especially, one of the, the most common questions is, Pastor, how do I know God's will for my life? Right? Have you asked that, that question? How do, I, how do I know God's will? What job should I take? Which school should I go? Which man should I date? How do I know God's will? What's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? I want to give you a formula from this verse. Romans chapter 12. And I pray that this, this will be a revelation. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by leading, that, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. I believe this is the formula. Are you ready? That presentation plus transformation equals to realization. <laughs> Take it down. Bring it back. Presentation plus transformation equals to realization. What do I mean? Present yourself to God. Present. Sign the contract first with no terms. Don't read the fine print, just say, okay, God, I signed the covenant. Sign the contract and tell him to fill it. Are you with me? Present your life because say, God, here I am. And you see a blank sheet before you with your name, God's name, sign and say, God, fill, fill my life with meaning. Fill my life with purpose. Don't be afraid because friends, when you present yourself to God and when you're transformed as you are being renewed day by day in the Word, by His presence, what is on the inside will come to the surface. Great, you were born into greatness. God's DNA is in, inside you. When, when you were created, God put His nature, put, God puts greatness inside you. And when you present yourself to God and when you allow God's Word to renew you, friends, what is on the inside will, will come out. I want to make this statement. I, I, I wanted to put it on, on the screen, but I just didn't have to... Well, I, 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 I forgot, alright? But this is what I want to say to you. You don't find the will of God. Turn to the person next says, you don't find the will of God. Wow, that's like heresy, Daniel. The will of God finds you. 
You don't find the will. See, a lot, a lot of us are just going, God, what's your will? God, what's your will? God, what's your will for my life? And you spend your whole life just trying to find out God's will and you, be, and you are crippled by fear because you are so scared that you will miss God's will. And that is a wrong belief. Hello? The right belief is this. Simply present yourself to God and say, God, I surrender. Renew my mind. Presentation plus transformation equals to realization. Say, God, I, I, I'll just present my life to you now. Write your story in my life. Now, just by a show of hands, a lot, a lot of you who are walking in God's will and you know that you are in the center of God's will, just think back 20 years. Have you, could you have imagined doing what you are doing now, then? Are you with me? Just as an example, So Young in, in Singapore, born in the U.S., went through grad school, worked for a great consultancy company. If you ask her 20 years ago, will you be in Singapore? She would say, are you crazy or what? What's Singapore? What? And it's the same for most of us. Ask my brother. 20 years ago, when he was about 10, <laughs> that one day you will lead this ministry called Burning Hearts and uh, you will be part of a family of, of, of house of prayer and I want to go to Japan. I'm learning Japanese. Dad, I want to go to Japan. Ask, ask my parents, that's all he said at, at 10. I want to go to, to, I want to marry a Japanese wife. I want to go to Japan. I want to give my life for my own glory and fame in Japan. It's the same for some of us. Most of us, if you ask yourself honestly, if you, if you think, God, God, am I making a point? That's the way. You don't find God's will. God's will find you. You stumble into it. Just simply say, God, where you lead, I'll follow. Amen? Next point, point three. From Joseph's life, we have to understand that God is still in control in the midst of your trials. God is still in control in the midst of your trials. Can I have an amen, please? Amen. amen. See, when, whenever there's a God-given dream, you can almost guarantee that there will be some God-given difficulties. Whenever there is a God-given dream, there will always be some God-given difficulties. And don't be surprised if, if some of your fiercest opposition comes from those closest to you. Amen. It did for Joseph. And Joseph was scorned by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit and he was sold as a slave. He was falsely accused. He was in prison. Was God out of control? Was God there when he was in the pit? Help me preach. Was God there when he was in the prison? Was God there when he was falsely accused? Was God there when the, when the butler forgot that you know, he should bring Joseph to see the Pharaoh? Was God there? Was God there when men didn't keep their promises? Was God there when you think that you have failed? Was God there when you thought in your mind, I'll never be reconciled back to my family. I'm so far away from home. Was God there when you are just thinking, I'll never see my parents again. I'll never see my mother, my father. Was God there? Come on. He was. 
He is still in control in the midst of your trials. He holds your future in His hands. Romans 8.28 is a powerful verse. It's a verse that has helped me through circumstances, helped me reconcile mysteries in my life. It's a verse that, that makes sense when things around me no longer make sense. It's a verse that I held on to when the world misunderstood me. It's a, world, it's a verse that I simply say, God, this is, a, this is like a verse for all seasons. And the verse says this, and we know that some things, that all things work together. The prison, the pit, the betrayal, the misunderstanding, the problems, the issues. All things work together for the good to them that love God. Do you know what's the caveat here? The caveat is if you love God, whatever happens in your life works for your good. And to them who are called according to His purpose, all things, when, a, when your parents don't understand you, when your best friends turn their back on you, when they looked at you in the face and said, you know, I, I'll go separate ways from you, when you no longer make sense of life, all things work together for the good of, for those who love God. He's still in, in control. And God is going to allow you, not, not, not cause you, but to allow you to have challenges in life. And the reason for that is, all these challenges build strength and character in your life. I look back today and I thank God for all the trials. I thank God for all the testings. I thank God for all the, the challenges. It makes me stronger. Builds my muscles. I thank God. I don't shun away from them nowadays. I take them on. Praise God for trials. Count them all joy. Amen? I thank God. And if you're in that place of trial this morning, I've got great news for you. The next slide, please. God is not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. Yet is a small three-letter word. It's a powerful word. When, when I was growing up, as a new Christian, people would ask me, are your parents Christians? Do you know how I'll answer them? I wouldn't say no, I'd say not yet. Not yet! Is our youth ministry a hundred people, more or less? Not a hundred yet. Are your kids loving Jesus? Are they Christians yet? Not yet. That's a powerful word. Has the promise been fulfilled yet? Not yet. Friends, there may be delay, but God's word doesn't return unto us void. Amen? Not yet. There are people here who are believing God for your family salvation and you're wondering, how long, God? How long? Not yet. Not yet. I still remember, there's this godly jealousy in my heart when Andrew's parents and the mother, Andrew Yo, my friend, all right, came to, to know Christ and uh, he was sharing it passionately, you know, praying for my, 
And at, the, at that point in time, Jason and myself, we wondered, will our parents ever come to know Christ? Ever. It doesn't seem like it's a possibility. It doesn't seem like, but I said, not yet. Not yet. Amen? Come on, church. So what has God promised you? The Bible says in one of the Psalms, I, I think it's Psalm 105, if I'm not wrong, that concerning Joseph, God's word tested him. Do you know what's a greater test? Unfulfilled promises. Great test. Things God has promised you when you were 25 and now you are 45. And you are wondering, God, where are you? How long, God, how long? And that's what the psalmist said. You, you want to know the heart and the emotions of uh, a man that waited for years for God's word to be fulfilled? David. He wrote so many psalms. And these, and these psalms were songs that were honest feelings that David had. He says, how long? Oh, how, how long will you allow my enemy to persecute me? How long? I thought at 17 you anointed me as a, as, as, as a king, but now I'm running like a madman. I was trying to hide from, where's the crown, God? Where's the promise? How come? How long, God? But God is still in control. Amen. In the midst of your trials. You might think that it's late, but God will neither be late, He will always be on time. He wouldn't be early, but He will always be on time. Amen. The fourth point is this, and this is my favorite point. In fact, all my favorite points. Number four, the Lord with you equals to success. The Lord with you, God's presence equals to success. You might think, the promotion is the, is, the, is the success. The pay raise is the, is the success. The platform is the success. The growth of the ministry is the success. Your job and the recognition is the success. No, God with you equals success. See, that's a refrain in the life of Joseph. Time and time again, if you read his story, the Bible says, and the Lord God was with Joseph. The Lord God was with Joseph. Amidst all the trials, all the challenges Joseph faced, at each and every turn, the Lord God was with him. And that, my friend, is what our daily lives are to be about. One of my favorite verses in Joseph's story, and this is an interesting verse, is in the book of Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. Genesis 39, verse 2, and the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master Egyptian. Now, the previous verse, if you read the whole story in context, this was when Joseph was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. You have to understand that this boy who had favor from his dad, who was walking around with the coat of many colors, the cloak of favor, when he was thrown into the pit by the brothers, when they robbed him of his coat, when he was sold for almost nothing. No more coat. In fact, he, he was probably stripped to just his undergarments. He was bought by, by a master. He was a slave. And this is a very interesting verse. When he, has, when he had nothing... No position, no authority, no longer a son to, ja to Jacob, no longer having cloak, no longer having a meal. He had nothing and yet the Bible says and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Very interesting. It was a, in a time in his life when he was serving as a slave. I wrote, I wrote this. 
his rich Egyptian master, Potiphar, stood next to him with all the extravagance, with all the wealth, with all the servants, with the big house, with the power. Yet the Bible forever records that Joseph is the more prosperous one. Isn't that, that amazing? He was in his master's house, and yet he was a prosperous man. I'm here to say to you, friends, that you may have no qualification, no position, no money, nothing in the natural, but when the Lord is with you, you will end up with everything. Why? Because He will cause you to be successful. Amen. God views prosperity differently than we do. Material things are not an indication of prosperity. True prosperity is knowing that God is with you. Amen. True prosperity is keeping God's dream in your heart fully alive. True prosperity is not wealth itself, but God's favor, God's anointing, God's power that work in your life to obtain wealth. That's true prosperity. It's not when you have, it's when you know that God is for you because then you can say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. See, I like this. I read from somewhere that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Limitless, boundless. There's nowhere where God is not. When the Bible says that God was with Joseph, it also means God was for him and it was working on his behalf. And do you know what I want in this life? I've spoken to, to some of you who are like my part of my team, the board, my staff. You know what's my number one goal in life is to know that I'm in the center of his will. I, when I know that where I am, he is, and where he is, I will be. It's, it's for me to know that if there's, if there's one thing about Daniel that, you know, I want there to be something about my life, about Daniel Chua that you cannot explain apart from the fact that God is with me. You get it? And I think my life has been a little bit like that. <laughs> didn't study much, of course, praise God for my little intelligence, but I didn't have a qualification. I, I... Odds were against me. And there's no natural explanation except that God is really with Daniel. Eh? The people he knows, the favor he has. But isn't that what life is supposed to be like? And do you know how that can apply to your life, friends? That when you know that God is with you, there's no earthly reason there is why you should be promoted on the job. Someone else does a better job. Someone else does... But yet, for some reason, because of God's favor, because His presence is with you, your, employ your employers like you. Your friends celebrate you. The presence of God. And doesn't mean it's only for the workplace. No, it's also for the household. Look at my life. I, I, I want my life to be alive on display, right? People always ask me, Daniel, how did you do it? You know, I, I get this question all the time, and I, and I always say it's my amazing wife. But if, if you ask Joy, 
And how do you do it? You have got seven kids, you have got a house, you have got you know, a ministry that you're running, you've got a team, you've got this work that you're doing, you've got, how do you do it? How? I, I, I'll always say, I don't know. I don't know, but except for the presence that God is with me. Amen? My last point as I, as I close, num- num- number five, from Joseph's life, we learn this. Do what is right in the sight of God. And trust that true promotion comes from Him. Do what is right and promotion will come from the Lord. Do what is right in His sight. People may not be seeing. And we know the story. And I'm preaching to the choir really. But we know the story of Joseph. Joseph maintained his integrity. When Potiphar recognized God's favor and presence on, on Joseph's life, he appointed him as a manager. As a slave, he was a manager over his entire household. He trusted Joseph completely. But, jo- but the master's wife began eyeing on this muscular Jewish boy and wanted to sleep with him. It was very tempting for a slave. Right? But Joseph refused to give him no matter what the cost was. No one knew, friends. He could have just done it. No one knew. No one was looking. He was all by himself at home. And Joseph was able to maintain his integrity. But do you know why? Not because he was afraid of Potiphar. Not because he might cost him his job. Joseph was not concerned with what men thought. He didn't consider the benefits of consequences of his actions based on what Potiphar's master might do. The Bible says in this verse, I don't know whether it's on the screen, but in Genesis chapter 39 verse 9, do I have it on the screen? No? Chapter 39 verse 9, this, this is what the Bible says. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? His primary, his main concern is what would God think and not what would men think? What would God think? He understood that he was completely accountable to the Lord. The fulfillment of his dream was completely dependent upon God. He maintained his integrity because he knows at the end of the day, God sees. Amen? Do uh, Genesis chapter 39 verse 9. Do what is right in the sight of God. Not in, the sight, not, in the sight, not in the sight of man. Not trying to please man. In the sight of God. My last point, Joseph lived a God-dependent life. It's part of the same point. He, he depended on God. He lived in the midst of great adversity. Trials, testing. He was thrown into prison. He thought he did the right thing and people would celebrate him. But no, he did, he did the right thing and yet life turned against him. He was thrown into prison. A slave was bad enough but at least he's got a bed to sleep on. At, at least he's got freedom to walk around. He's got friends. But now he's in isolation. He's in prison for doing what is right. Sometimes you may say, Daniel, life is not fair. No, life is not, 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 not fair. It's not fair. Life may come against you. Life may surprise you. And he was thrown into prison. And yet he lived a God-dependent life. Joseph's life, as it depends on God will change history forever. And, and I'll come to a landing. Bend on stage, please. One day, while he was in prison, and he thought, that's it, man. From the pit to Potiphar's house, at least if I do well, I might become like the chief steward of my master's house. And when he was doing his best, and yet 
Not his fault, now he ended up in prison. It was one demotion after another demotion after another demotion. And he wondered, God, why? Why am I penalized for doing what is right? Have you thought like that before, some of you? Why am I? I'm trying to maintain my integrity, God. I, I, I'm trying to do what is right. And every time I do what is right, my colleague got promoted. I got blamed for doing what is right. I should just compromise. But friends, do what is right. Allow God to promote you. Because one day, the chief butler and the chief baker of Pharaoh offended Pharaoh and they were thrown into prison. And both of them had dreams. Right? And no one could interpret those dreams. And they were somehow together with Joseph who by then as a prisoner again rose into a place of influence. He's like the chief prisoner. <laughs> Wherever he was, he became the chief even as a prisoner with a chief prisoner. And Joseph interpreted that dreams. Both came to pass, but for some reason, the butler forgot. And for two more years, he thought, God, when I was 17 years old, the dream I had of sheaves bowing down, the same dream I had of sun and moon and the stars bowing down, it's so far-fetched. How could this ever happen to me now that I'm in prison? My last chance, the butler... Pharaoh's closest confidant who tasted the food, tasted the wine in case there was poison. Forgot! We made a deal! He was supposed to remind Pharaoh that there's a boy in prison who was who was not guilty. Who was wrongly accused but all hopes lost. Have you felt like that before? All hopes lost. There's no way the promises could come to pass. There's no way my dream could ever happen. Then one day, Pharaoh himself had a dream. He called all the magicians of Egypt. No one could interpret. And it was then that the butler, all of a sudden, remembered, man, what have I done? Joseph, I forgot him. And he says, my Lord, I met a man two years ago when you know, I was together with the chief baker because we offended you and we had two dreams and we spoke to this chief prisoner and he interpreted our dreams and dreams came true. I forgot about him. Maybe he would have the interpretation. So Pharaoh called Joseph. And Joseph again said, I'm only a servant of the Lord. I, I can't interpret dreams. It's the Lord who interprets dreams. And he told Pharaoh his dream. He gave Pharaoh the interpretation. But going beyond that, he shared with Pharaoh the wisdom on how to manage the crisis that was coming as foretold in the dream. And this is what Pharaoh said, and I love it. Do I have it on the screen when, uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 40, uh, 41? No? Okay. Verses 39 and 40. And this is what Pharaoh said. And you should look into your scriptures and just read these verses. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, after interpreting the dreams, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise at you. You shall, be, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. 
Pharaoh wasn't a God believer. Pharaoh didn't believe in Yahweh. Pharaoh was a, he- was a heathen king. But when Joseph, the dreamer, who kept his integrity, who acknowledged God in spite of the trials they've gone through, whose, whose presence, you know, God's presence was, was with him. Pharaoh acknowledged Joseph's God. And I start off, off by saying that I believe many of you would be Joseph. If you don't have a vision for that, I want to give you a vision this morning to be a Joseph. To be a Joseph in the school system, to be a Joseph in the bank, to be a Joseph in the investment field, to be a Joseph you know, in, in voluntary you know, philanthropic world, to be a Joseph. You don't have to use God's name and say, God says this, God says that. By your wisdom, the pharaohs of the world would recognize that Joseph's God is your God. Your God. And that's how the church can have influence. My final verse is on the screen. I know it because I put it in there. It's in there. Sometimes we think, God, how can promotion come? I've done everything I can. I've strived. I've fought for it. I want to help God fulfill His promise for my life. And many of us fall into the trap of trying to help God. And this is what the Bible says. For promotion, I need to use the King James because that's the only version that's got the word promotion. (laughs) For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Don't you love that? For promotion cometh neither from the east or from or to the west. See, many of us are so concerned about promotion in life and, oh, when can I be promoted? Whether, you know, if, if I'm so involved in church that when I was younger, I want to be promoted, pastor, pastor, or in the work, I want to promote it. I want to leave this final verse with you. Promotion comes neither from the east or from the west. It doesn't come from people. Promotion comes from the Lord, who is the judge. Sometimes you might think, no one sees. No one knows. I'm forgotten. I'll never fulfill God's dreams. I want to say this to you. God's the judge. His call in your life will come to fruition. Put these principles to practice. Believe me, God will lift you up. He will. Amen? He will lift you up. Let's stand to our feet. Just imagine with me that you are Joseph. And I've used this many times, but that morning when the sun rises and Joseph you know, probably was in prison with his prison's clothes. And he woke up and he was rubbing his eyes and again, you know, asking God when. All hopes lost. Had his breakfast when, when uh, again with the flow and then there was a guard that came to him that day and said hey Joseph and he says yes the king's asking for you he says oh man is there going to be another demotion again and just imagine every time he faces authority bam the king you know, what's the worst kill me 
Okay, so he goes stand before Pharaoh, and of course the rest was history. That night, the guard who unlocked his prison cell is now bowing him down to Joseph because now Joseph is no longer the, the chief prisoner. Joseph is now the prime minister of Egypt. God is true to his word. He's no longer lying down on the hard cold floor. He's now lying down on this fluffy bed, Egyptian pillow, milk bath. Beautiful people fanning Joseph. It's a different life altogether. And yet, do you know what? I've got no time to go into it. Read the story. The greatest test is not a test of failure, it's a test of success. And through his success, Joseph did not compromise. He did not. Amen. It's easy for us to trust God when things are going wrong, to have faith when things are going bad. But when we are prosperous, we forgot God. But Joseph held on. And our entire nation was transformed. God has sent Joseph before, before his people to preserve an entire tribe. He didn't know that. He was in the center of God's will, going through everything. And yet, he thought, God, what's the point of all this? And finally, he says, what the enemy has meant for? Come on, help me preach. Meant for evil. God has turned it around for good. He gave birth to two kids. We've learned this. He named them what? Manasseh and Ephraim. Do you know what their, their names meant? Do you know what their names meant? Manasseh meant what? I've forgotten. Or right, oh, I've forgotten the pain. It's, it's a holy forgetfulness. And some of us are going through challenges and it's come to a point where God, God calls to forget the pain. But Ephraim's name means fruitfulness. In fact, it means fruitfulness, fruitfulness. It's double fruitfulness. See friends, that's what God wants to do in our, in our lives. Amen. He will cause us to forget the pain and He will cause us to be fruitful. If you'll just keep your heart right, focus on the Lord, He will promote you. 